Welcome to Cool Explorations. I am your host, Tony Peters. Today we're going to be interviewing Lewis Dooley about his uh, podcast, Bumper Sticker Faith, as well as uh, his work with Philemon House, uh, how that started, what its purpose is, and how prison life really changed him and really made him a better person uh, through finding Jesus Christ. And he's written a book on it, Prison Saved My Life, so he's going to tell us a little bit about that book as well. Psalm 69.33 says, For the Lord hears the needy and does not despise his own people who are prisoners. I hope you enjoyed part one, and this is part two of that conversation. When we look at uh, Matthew 25.34 to 40, it says, Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. As you did it, one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. Uh, and that, to me, leads into how Philemon House uh, developed and uh, what its purpose is. So if you just want to explain a little about Philemon House. Uh, yeah, this. no, so that's the thing that we're really focused on now. Um, several years ago, we started an organization called Philemon House, which, of course, is based on the book of Philemon. And it was through hearing um, a brother uh, preach out of the book of Philemon at a, a conference. And he incidentally is the author of one of Emmaus' courses, Walking the Walk. He himself is incarcerated before us. So he wrote this great course that's specifically for people incarcerated. And we heard him preach that message. And during that time, I was really helping a lot of people who were being released back into society to get reacclimated by helping them find jobs and food and clothing and housing and things like that. And I was running all over the place because the Chicagoland area is a pretty big area and, you know, the city as well as the suburbs. And so to be driving all over the place trying to help, I found it to be a daunting task. And so I thought, you know, if we could get all these guys in one area at one time, it'll make me drive less, less wear and tear on my vehicle. And I could really put more time and effort into helping disciple these guys. And so I thought, well, man, let's, let's start a house and we can house some of these guys because that's a, that's a challenge. Um, for a person to find a place to live. And it's not as much where, like, them finding the place is actually where that place is. Because many people go back to where they came from. And that's where all the trauma and the hurt and pain took place that led them to incarceration. And now to be thrown back in that place is not a healthy, safe environment for them. And so we started a, a nonprofit organization. We got our board together. We got our rules, bylaws. We went and visited other organizations that do similar things and learned from them. And now it was time to get a house. So we're all excited. But we weren't able to get a house. You know, it was, it was a challenge for me to think about how to get funding because I was already working for a nonprofit as a missionary who had to raise his own financial support. And now to add with that, to try to get additional support to get a house, I honestly couldn't figure out how I could do that, which basically means if I'm already soliciting people I know to support me in ministry, to go back to them and say, hey, can you reach in your wallet or your purse and give me more for this other thing? And so I just didn't feel led by God to go that route, so I didn't. And so after a while of trying to figure out a way to get a house, I decided that I, I can't take this anymore. The weight of it on my mind was getting to me because I can't be partially in something. I either had to be all the way in or all the way out. And so I decided to go to the president of the board and say, hey, brother, I'm sorry, um, but I'm out. And so I left. And then our doors start opening to going to different jails and prisons locally to where I was at. So I started pouring myself into that. 
And while doing so, one of the prisons I was going in was a juvenile prison that had men and women ages 13 to 21. And so after going in there several years um, and seeing the potential that they have, one day when my wife and I were leaving the facility, I said, man, I wish we could take a couple of these youth home with us because they got so much potential. They just need a safe environment. They need some good people around them and they need some resources and they, the sky will be the limit for them. And she agreed with me. So then we started praying and thinking about how we could reconfigure our current house because it really wasn't conducive towards what we wanted to do. So we'd have to make some additions and change the footprint. And that was during the pandemic where uh, materials were like eight or nine times their normal price. And so that wasn't going to work. And so I was like, okay, well, it seems like it's just pie in the sky. When all of a sudden I got a call from a gentleman who saw me make a video about this years ago when we first started Philemon House. And I don't know how he got his hands on this three minute video, but he called me up and he said, hey, I want to help. And I'm like, well, help how? And he's like, I want to help you get a house. And I was like, wow, that's incredible. So about a year and a half later, um, we found a house, we purchased the house, and now we have our first resident. We're about two and a half months into having our first resident. He's 16 years old. Um, he's actually at the dentist right now getting a couple of teeth pulled uh, with my wife. And so it's great, man. So what we're trying to do is we're focused on like 15 to like 21-year-olds. We want to work specifically with that field of young men in this first house we have, which means when they come out of incarceration on their own free will, they can come live with us. And it's not a short-term house. It's like, like you can come here for two or three months and then go somewhere else. Um, if you're in high school like this young man we have, it's be with him through high school. Once he completes high school, or if we get a guy here that's 18 or 19 and they have a high school diploma or GED, the next step for them will either be college or maybe a trade school. So we'll help them figure out what their gifts and skill set is and what they're interested in. And then we'll figure out maybe three to five different vocations that may be suitable. I'll reach out into my network of people um, and probably I'll be able to know someone that's in one of those fields. And then we'll bring them in, have them talk to them, maybe even go to that job with them and have them shadow them just so they can see, you know, everything that that is involved with. And if they say, yeah, let's do it. And it's either, you know, enrolling them in, in college or enrolling them in trade school. Um, and once that is going well, if they can also have a job, we'll help them find some um, small part-time job so then they can work some good, they can learn some good work habits. Um, they can also make money and learn how to manage their money, meaning investing, spending, um, being generous and giving to God and everything that has to do with money. And then once they're done with their vocational training, the next step is finding them a job in that area so that they can be working and saving money. And now they can maybe get a, get their car, get a car um, and then maybe get their apartment and then they can kind of move out into being independent. And so, you know, for like for the guy we have now is 16. If all that played out for him, we could end up having him till he's like maybe 24, 25 years old. If he, if he chooses to go through college, which he wants to. But if he went to a trade school like. If you want to be a truck driver, that could be like a six or eight month program, you know. So after graduating high school, going through that program, driving a truck for a few years, he could be maybe 21, 22 and be able to go off on his own. But that's our plan. No, I think that is uh, also a great outreach as well. Um, we have similar things with uh, in our area for people who are going through youth who have gone through child stuff. Uh, and basically the court has ordered them to go to this go to this place or else they're going to juvie and they usually choose mm, okay. choose this place uh rock solid refuge and so it, it is it is amazing the effect that 
that simple outreach can have on a person's life and how it can really change them and have the Holy Spirit working within their life. And I think it was interesting too, and you you had the struggle with it at first, and it was basically God saying, like, just wait for my time. Mm-hmm. And as soon as it was his time, he's like, okay, well, now the door is open. Yeah. Here's yeah. what's going to happen. And just teaching us patience. And I've had to learn that so much in my life mm. uh, that I have to wait for God's time because he is the one who does that. So I want to kind of just take a look back and take a look at a few key spots where you think God has really worked throughout your entire life. Uh, and a verse that, that I think kind of ties along with this would be Romans 8, 1 to 3. Uh, where it says, there is therefore no now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, for the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. And I think that that really ties in with, with the question of looking back at your life, because you see those moments where Christ really set you free and gave you forgiveness and freedom. So what are some of those points in your life that you could pinpoint? Yeah, great question, man. So I, I'll go all the way back and start off with pre-Christ. As I was in my heathen days, if you will, when I was drinking and drugging and clubbing and all that stuff, man, you know, I would be drunk. I would be high. I'd be in the club and I'd get behind the wheel, you know, and I would drive. And I, I had my favorite aunt got killed by a drunk driver. And I was like, I hate drunk drivers. And of course, I became one. And uh, I can't tell you how many times I fell asleep at the wheel and I would wake up moments before I run off the road like in a big ditch or a head-on collision. I mean, countless. I'm Literally, I can't count the amount of times. And you know what I would attribute it to? I would say, man, I'm just smooth like that. You know, I'm just cool like that. Like, I'm all that, man. I'm waking myself up. And it wasn't until I was in Christ that I realized, man, that was God. Like a person that's asleep because they're drunk and high, I don't believe they have the ability to wake themselves up. You know, so it had to be something outside of myself. And I believe that something was God. And so, you know, God has a plan and purpose for all our lives, I believe. And I think that it seems pretty obvious to me that he does have a plan and purpose for me because of all the different what we call God sightings that I've had in my life. So I would say that's definitely a God sighting, like all these times that God um prevented me from getting, I never got into one automobile accident as a result of being drunk or high. Never. And I did it for probably two or three years consistently in the snow. I've spun through intersections doing 360s through busy intersections with cars just going by me, like it's something you see on TV. And I just be like, I can't believe this. And I just keep going and I fire another one up and take another drink. So I saw God in that way in my heathen life protecting me and preserving me for something that he had in store for me. Um, the next thing I think about is early on when I got incarcerated or or when I got convicted, I got convicted of my crime. And it was just later that day that a young man who was a Christian gave me a box of goodies to just show me love. And as I was thinking that he was trying to make a move on me and be wanting to take his life, um, God used him in a way that has impacted and changed my life forever. Just giving me a, a, a box about the size of a copy paper box with some T-shirts and underwear, socks and some Doritos and a Snickers candy bar. It, 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 it started the transformation process, right? It opened the door 
um, for me to do some other things or attempt, which then led me to giving my life to Christ. Um, and then after that, um, the first cellmate I had, he was a Christian. My next cellmate I had was a Christian. And this wasn't the jail or prison putting me in a cell with someone that had the same religious affiliation. As a matter of fact, the jail didn't even ask if I had a religious affiliation. So it wasn't like they were pairing like religions together. In these instances, it was just the next open cell that I was thrown into. And it happened. It could have been somebody that not only was a different religion, they could have been a gang person. They could have been somebody that was a homosexual. I mean, all the worst things you can think about that's in a prison. I could have had that for a cellmate. But my first literally like three or four cellmates were all Christians. And so it's like, wow, like God is, is protecting me. And then throughout prison, after 15 and a half years of being there, I never got in one fight. I never had one physical altercation. Now, there was plenty of opportunities where most people in my shoes would have fought. Um, but I believe to practice nonviolence like Jesus, like Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., to turn the other cheek. Um, in those instances, when I did it, those were some of the most difficult things that I ever did in my life. But they were also the most rewarding things that I've ever experienced because I, I got a chance to see those guys come back and apologize, um, which was good. I also got to see one of those guys come to faith in Jesus years later when I was even out of prison. Mm -hmm. um, when I was back visiting in prison again, and he testified that it was because of me and my living for Christ. And now he, too, converted from Islam to Christianity. And so it's, it's just amazing. And then being released from prison with two life sentences plus 100 years after just being incarcerated 15 and a half years. People always ask me, how did you get out or or how much was your appeal attorney or or who was the judge you had paid off? Or you must have had a high profile lawyer. And I had none of that. You know who I had? I had the greatest advocate that any man can have, Jesus Christ, the Messiah. That's who I had. And I believe in a supernatural way. God moved the hearts of the parole system in the state of Missouri. And they saw that after 15 and a half years, I had done enough time and that they were to release me. And they did. I didn't have an appeal filed. I didn't have anything in the court system. I didn't have an attorney. I didn't have money to pay anybody. I didn't like there was no good time where if you do so good for so long, they take years off. That doesn't that didn't exist then and still doesn't exist in the state of Missouri. I can't speak to other states, but there's always people having explanations as to why. And my explanation is it was Jesus. It was Jesus that made a way that freed me. Like John 8, 36, right when the son makes free, is free indeed. And so I got thrown out of prison unexpectedly, which was a blessing, to be on parole till 2079. And I was like, that's fine. But then after four years, all of a sudden, they just took me off parole. I didn't ask for it. I didn't file any paperwork for it. Actually, I was going to wait until after five years, and I was going to put a request in. But the Lord saw fit to give me even more than what I even could ask or want. And so I saw God in that and then just opportunity work in ministry. And then lastly, the, the situation that I just spoke of, like a guy contacted me that I only had one conversation with before that some way got his hands on a video that I don't even know where that video is. I literally to this day do not know how he got this video. I made it as a part of a, a grant proposal to an organization. So that's what I made it for. It wasn't even a public thing. So maybe he's on the board of the organization. I have no idea. He didn't remember. He's like an older gentleman. He didn't remember where he got the video, but he saw it. And that prompted him to want to help. And so God has progressively in my life just continued to open doors. Now, sometimes there's doors that don't, that don't open. I have to exercise patience, with, which I'm not good at, uh, but he's teaching me. Um, and I'm trying to learn and not be hard-headed. But um, 
you know, there's some really good brothers in Christ I have who are um, Calvinists, you know, and, I, and I'm not one. And he said, man, your life is a good case for Calvinism <laughs> because you can see God's hand on you just moving you around like a checker or a chess piece and just almost moving it along and directing paths, like even, even beyond what I can do. Like, I can't stop it. I can't help it. I'm just like the piece that the hand gets put on and gets moved around. And so um, I, I cannot argue that. I cannot argue that. Uh, my wife says I got it too easy. She says every time you come up with an idea or something, like God just gives it to you. And of course, I want to say no, but it, but in reality, she's pretty right. You know, and it, it's got nothing to do with me. It has nothing. All, all I've done in my life in Christ is say, God, I messed my life up by doing a ton of ungodly things, which led me to almost losing my life in prison. But when I met Jesus, I said, God, you got it now. Like you say you want to help clean this mess up. Well, here's the mess because I don't know how to clean it up. All I know how to do is keep making a mess. And so I've been trying to learn how to yield my life and my, and my will to him and let him direct my past. And that's that's what I've been doing with my life. And, um, you know, again, it's nothing good that I'm doing. It's only Christ that's in me. And I thank him for choosing me and using me as a vessel to help him accomplish any kind of work that he's doing. Yeah. And I, uh, I, I love seeing that in people's lives where God does. He moves you around to where you need to go and he opens doors and closes doors. Uh, we don't always get the answers we want, but at the end of the day, uh, it, it leads us in the right in the right place. Uh, I think we need to leave off with uh, a piece of advice, though, for people who do feel stuck in a life of bad influences. Um, and Psalm 68, 5 to 6 kind of speaks to this a little bit. It says, Father of the fatherless and protector of the widows is God in his holy habitation. God settles the solitary in a home. He leads out the prisoners to prosperity, but the rebellious dwell in a parched land. Uh, so what advice would you have for those who do feel like they're stuck? in a life of bad choices, bad influences, um, a bad neighborhood, that kind of thing? Yeah, that's a good question. You know, I'll just, I'll just say this is what I practice when I get stuck. When I get stuck, the first thing I do is pray. And I ask Lord to help me reveal what the car, like what's, what's stuck, you know, like why, why am I stuck? What's going on? And, and the first thing I do is examine myself and my heart, right? Like what, what is there in me? Is there any sin in me? Is there any wicked ways in me um, that's causing this stuckness, if you will? Like, like maybe I haven't been going to church. Maybe I haven't been uh, praying. Maybe I haven't really been um, worshiping God the way he calls us to do. Uh, maybe I'm not in a good spot with my marriage or with my children or with my family. You know, and so I'll start examining myself and my actions to see maybe I'm the problem. You know, and, and usually it's me, you know, to be honest for me, usually I'm the problem. And once I can get out of my own way and get out of God's way, that's when God can really start doing the work. The next thing I start doing is asking myself, OK, in the areas that I am working in. Right. And I don't necessarily mean my vocation, although it could be like if I'm in the marketplace, meaning not ministry. Like, am I centered in God's will where I'm at? So in other words, this job I'm working and whether that may be the marketplace or ministry. God, is this where you want me? I, I, I'm, a, I'm a believer that um, God specifically calls people to specific areas sometimes, but oftentimes God is gracious and said, hey, you can choose what vocation you want. Just make sure that I come first and you're honoring me and everything you say and everything you do. 
So now I'm looking at my life, right? Of ministry or my life at work. How am I honoring or not honoring God? And, and then I can see maybe there's something that's messed up in that that's caused me to be stuck. And then I look at lastly, um, just my overall relationship with God himself. Like, am I spending time in his word? You know, I was just reading a book by R.C. Sproul that's called Saved from What? And this little book has been quite a gem. I mean, it's a small book. You can see it's not very big, but what it lacks in size, it more than makes up for in depth. And one spot that I read about maybe a month and a half, two months ago that constantly has been on my mind is about prayer. And he makes a statement and I'm paraphrasing. He says prayer is not about telling God something because he already knows. But prayer really is about us demonstrating our dependency on him. And so, again, it starts with, am I spending time in God's word? Because I can be learning about God. I can be um, hearing from God when I'm in his word. Second is prayer. And my communication with God and my dependency of God, am I really depending on him or am I depending on me? Or maybe I'm depending on other people, right? And so our dependency should always be on God. And sometimes we can go beyond that and depend on God and we don't do anything. So we need to find and find, is there a part that we play with our dependency on God? In other words, do we let God do because he wants to only do or do we work in conjunction with God and what he wants to do? And that could be a case by case basis, depending on what the thing is. But but it's getting God's word it's praying. And I believe there's great value in fellowship. And I mean, not necessarily in church. I mean, with other brothers and or brothers and sisters, like when we're sharing our life in an intimate setting, what's going on? And I'm bearing other people's burdens. People are bearing my burdens. We're praying for one another and we're helping one another in this life because it's a hard life to live, you know, to be a, a long range of Christian. Because God doesn't tell us there's a such thing as a long range of Christian, you know, or a solo Christian. This is a, a thing that we do together in community. And so maybe I'm not communing enough with other believers. And that's why I'm kind of dry and lifeless and kind of stuck. So those are the, the things that I usually do in my life um, when I feel like I'm stuck. And inevitably, as I kind of go through that list of things, then God starts showing me where I'm in the way. Or maybe I've placed some things in the way or maybe I've allowed some people to be in the way. But he always re kind of reveals to me uh, what's going on. So now I can start putting in the work to get the thing back on track and get out of being stuck. Yeah, and I think you hit on some very important uh, points there. And church is definitely one of those those areas where uh, it helps give you that foundation. And it also helps you open your eyes sometimes to where you are going wrong so you can do that self-examination uh, and listening to people who are either stronger in the faith or being able to speak to people who are even newer in the faith than what you are and I think that is important for that fellowship and that's what church family is all about that's why bible studies are important uh, I have a men's group that we do uh, on Tuesday nights and it's just phenomenal I always leave those things really encouraged and discipleship is another is another key thing that that is what you're you were talking about there's yeah you're you're bearing some other people's burdens they're bearing yours and that's through discipleship and mentorship and then you mm. grow in that whole process so um thanks for hitting on those points and and really sharing uh your life with us and your your walk with and journey with god now he's really directed you uh, i really really appreciate you coming on uh today and sharing uh do you have any final thoughts you'd like to share before we uh sign off here. Man, well, first of all, let me say thank you, Tony, for allowing me to be on here. And man, it's great to hear 
about how many people that you're able to reach uh, with your podcast and videos. And so praise God for that. You know, I just pray that you continue to persevere um, that you keep fighting a good fight. And that's, and that's what I'll leave um, the listeners with today as my final word is keep fighting a good fight of faith. You know, I know I think you're in Canada and I'm just, you know, a little south of you in the Chicago area in the United States. But the same things I think are taking place worldwide um, with with um, politics, um, with government, with the school system. I don't, I don't know much about what's going on in other countries per se, but um, there's a movement that's taking place. I believe not just in the United States, but in our world with with gender and and changing gender and, and just all these ungodly evil things that have taken place. And, uh, you know, as a Christian, how do we respond to that? And I believe that first we respond by being salt and light, you know, and being salt and light in the world is being truthful. Now, being truthful doesn't have to be brash, um, but it needs to be done in love. You know, and it needs to be considering the other person or people that you're talking to because you want them to receive the love and not push away from it. And so I think that in fighting that good fight of faith that we have, um, we need to understand who our real enemy is. Our real enemy is Satan. And unfortunately, human beings allow themselves to be greatly influenced by Satan. And then they say and do ungodly things. And so let's not be mad at the person. Let's get mad at the devil. And let's pray for these individuals that are making these laws and let us not forget that God is in control. He's in control of government. These people that are in place, God has put in place. I believe Romans 13 covers that. God has placed these people in place. Now, we don't need to conform to these things. Right. But we need to be respectful. If it doesn't contradict God's word, then we have to acquiesce. If it contradicts God's word, we stand on his word. And that's how we fight the fight. We fight the fight with knowing God's word. We study to show ourselves approved workmen who need not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. So we need to work. We need to know truth. And that way we can know what is and what ain't. And then we can respond accordingly. So um, don't lose heart. Don't let your feelings get in the way because anger and disgust are very real these days with these things that are taking place. Let's not allow our anger and disgust get the best of us. The Bible says be angry, but don't sin. So it's okay to be angry. But let's figure out. Let's use the, the wisdom God has given us. And if we don't have wisdom, James says, let's ask God for wisdom. He'll liberally give it to us. Or he'll give us tons of wisdom if we only but ask. So let us ask God for wisdom. But let us use this wisdom and figure out the godly way that we can conduct ourselves, being a good witness for Jesus and not pushing people away. Like God's word will do the pushing. We don't have to interject our personality and brashness to push people away. And so I say, keep fighting a good fight, but do it in love. Amen. Amen. Thanks for sharing. Thank you for listening to Cool Explorations. You've just heard Lewis Dooley talk about his his podcast, Bumper Sticker Faith, uh, his work with Philemon House, uh, and how prison life really made him a better person through finding Jesus Christ uh, while he was in there. And he wrote a book about it that you've just heard him talk about, Prison Saved My Life. If you would like to reach me for any reason, you can do so at tpeters745 at gmail.com.